0: Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Tony Marchese alongside my co-host, NWI Steve. We're live from Casa de Marchese, having our own version of the winter meetings. Steve, how you doing,
1: my friend? Anthony, I'm doing well. I am back from my East Coast escapades over the last couple, two, three days. And we had a late night conversation while I was out in the city of brotherly love. And it was brought to my attention that via sauces that we have been missed we on have. these airwaves. We have been, missed. And being men of the people that we are, we just decided we had to get together here and bring some hashtag content for our loyal and faithful followers that are out there.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, Stephen, since we've been on these airwaves, live, talking White Sox baseball. It's probably been better for our mental health if we're going to be completely honest with everybody. Uh, but you've seen us around. Uh, I think we've we've been doing a little bit of a guest tour on a couple of other shows. We've been doing some stuff uh, on the back end of uh, the Socks on Tap studios, filming some stuff that uh, we're hoping to have out towards the end of this off season. Really fun project that we've got going on, Steve. I At least I'm having fun with it so far.
1: I'm, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, listen, um, like I said, we're reaching out to multiple sauces to put something together here that I think, the masses out there are going to really enjoy, and then they're going to cry,
0: and then they're going to enjoy it, and then they're going to cry again. Probably. Uh, that's that's what I'm getting from this as well. But regardless, it's great to be back live with everybody here at the conclusion. We are and hashtag back. We are hashtag back. It's, it's it's the winter meetings, man. It's the winter meetings. We'll, we'll get to some of that stuff. We'll talk a little bit about Bill and Cease, trade rumors that have been circulating around. There was a big meeting that took place in Nashville. Oh was there? Meeting. Oh, was there? So we'll get to some of that stuff. It's it's once again great to be back here. Steve, where do we want to start with today's topics of discussion? There's there's a plethora of them.
1: You know, I think we need to kind of go back and as it has been a little bit of time since we have gotten together here. I think we need to talk about Chris Getz and his first move as White Sox general manager, the Mike Soroka deal. Um, okay. Something that, you know, we didn't really talk about a lot, obviously sending Aaron bummer down to my barbs in Atlanta in exchange for five players. Uh, Mike Soroka being kind of the headliner of that, um, Naperville zone, Nikki Lopez. See, I would consider him the headliner. I mean, listen, you know, you gotta, you gotta hashtag buy local as, as we know. Um, so bringing him back home, you know, that's always, uh, one, one nice thing to see happen there. But, um, Look, there, there's been a lot of talk about this deal, and you saw certain people out there really proclaiming this as a heist by Chris Getz uh, because of the fact that they were able to get five players in exchange for Aaron Bummer. The fact of the matter is this deal was not a heist, no matter how much you want to think about it. Um, the team doesn't have any use for Aaron Bummer. They don't have any use for a late-inning relief that's going to be making 5 $6, 7000000 million here over the next two years. I'm just glad he's gone. I mean, listen, I was the former conductor of the Aaron Bummer bandwagon, uh, the, the Aaron Bummer train. Those days are gone. It happens. Um, it is definitely a good thing to see him no longer here. As I wrote about on a lovely website, you may have visited it before, called OnTapSports.com. Yeah, little plug right there. Um, but it is good to see you know Bummer go elsewhere at this point. And I think with Soroka in particular, like I said, he's really the headliner of this deal. This is the type of move that this team should be making
0: right now. Um, I think you just like it because there's tons of pitching stuff that your boy can work on, Mister Bannister. There's a lot of there's a lot of untapped potential. Well, that you see here. L-
1: listen, everyone knows that I am um, kind of the leader of the Brian Bannister Brigade, a- as we are calling ourselves on the streets of Twitter.com for those of you who don't know Um,
0: he's a hashtag banister bot confirmed for those of you at home
1: you know listen i would rather be a banister bot because he has had a modicum of success in various stops along the way than being a hashtag gets bot that we're seeing by some people on the streets of twitter.com so
0: one interesting thing there that you bring up though i was not all in on this banister thing i think you have from the start i was surprised after uh the signing we'll talk about later that this individual was on the X machine talking about it that was surprising to see from a White Sox front office member but in terms of Soroka Steve do you think he's going to be able to rework something with with the the haul that we've gotten out of the Aaron Bummer trade you really don't know and Like I said, ultimately what it comes down to is
1: when you're in this, you know, hopefully shortened rebuild 3.0 period, you have to take some chances on some guys. A lot of them aren't going to work, but if he's the type of guy that can work, if you can get him as a reclamation project, think back to, I think it was 2013 when the team on the other side of town uh, was able to swing a deal for um, a pitch from the Baltimore Orioles before he got on steroids. Okay. and and they turned him around, and he turned out to be a vital part of, of whatever it is they did a, a couple of years ago. Never mind the fact that he would have been on the Sox had Jesse Crane not failed his physical, but we don't need to go there. Um, that's fine. Um, but those are the types of things that you need to do when you're in your competitive cycle the way that the Sox are right now. Take some chances on some guys. Like I said, a lot of them aren't going to work. But if Bannister and Ethan Katz, if they can – get something if they can find whatever that little thing is with mike soroka to restore him back to that all-star caliber that he was in 2019 you could have a potential you know building block for this rotation here as we look into the future there's a whole lot of nothingness in this starting rotation right now so you got to start taking some chances on on some of these guys and seeing what if
0: anything will stick so first move Real move of the of the guts tenure. Do you have a do you have a grade for this one? I want to talk a little bit about Nikki Lopez too and what that means uh for the White Sox as well. But do you have an overall grade for this trade? I'd give it a B minus. Um, you know,
1: it's not gonna be there there's nothing about it that jumps off the page at you. Like I said, I mean you're able to unload Aaron Bummer and the contract, and you're able to take in some guys, take in some flyers on guys. Maybe some of them work. We can revisit this thing down the road. Look, two years from now, if um if Mike Soroka or if uh, Schuster, the other starting pitcher that they got, if one of those guys happens to stick in this starting rotation, this could easily become a significant win for this team. Only time is going to tell on that.
0: Yeah, I I like the Nicky Lopez acquisition not only because it's a local product, Steve. You know, hashtag shop, shop local. You got to shop local. But 1.8 B-War last season, I believe that would have put him up in second or third among White Sox players uh, over the course of the the season. I think it it depends on whether or not you want to include uh, Jacob Berger in the conversation here, or if you just want to leave Luis Robert and take it out, I think he he sort of fluctuates up and down the White Sox roster by that one spot uh, in terms of player uh, in position players. But that's that's some upside right there, at least above what you saw on the field last season. If he can replicate it, um, still a young guy. can play second base, play shortstop, third, all over the infield. So a little bit of utility there. Um, speaking of Braves as well, uh, Johnny's boy Lurie Garcia has uh, signed a deal down there in Atlanta as well. But I, I feel like you'll probably get some Lurie esque things out of Nicky Lopez. Don't expect him to be a, you know, an all-star player for the White Sox, but it's at least a market improvement over what we saw on the field last season. I know that's not saying a lot, but had a hell of a lot better season than our shorts uh, shortstop last season. So I mean, that's you know again, not taking a whole
1: lot right there. Um I mean, Lopez in itself is fine. Again, this team isn't going anywhere in 2024. So, you, you know, know, his family will be at the ballpark. So oh, I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm sure they will. I mean, that might be, you know, the biggest calling card. Maybe Brooks Boyer was instrumental in uh, making sure that he was included as part of this deal here because we all know
0: the amazing marketing work that clown does. Well, it seems to be the theme so far this offseason by local. Uh, I saw Mark Payton is back within the organization, another local guy. Uh, there's been another one too, I forget who it was off the top of my head, but there's there's definitely a local thing going on. Uh, Paul DeJean was signed, uh, yeah, as well. So that deal, I want to talk to you real quick about that one. Any thoughts on that? Were you surprised at the rather low salary? No, on the one-year deal. No, simply because
1: um, I don't know if you've taken a look at his um, offensive profile since the year of our Lord, 2019, he's been, how we say in the old country, bad. So there's not really going to be a whole lot of market for a guy that, you know, has had a below league average weighted runs created plus for the last four seasons. So obviously what this team is looking to do right now, bringing in Josh Barfield and with having Chris Getz being in charge of things right now is they're looking to remake this thing, particularly on the defensive side of the baseball. Uh, that is something that has obviously been a significant point of frustration for us watching this thing on a night in, night out basis for the last two years is just the dumb fuckery that would simply take place on a night in and night out basis. They're trying to cut that out. Um, the Little League bullshit.
0: Thank you. The Little League bullshit. The yes. Little League bullshit. Yes. I'm sick of seeing the Little League bullshit. I, I, I am so too- I, I can understand the approach here. But if you're not going to score any runs, what's the point of shoring up some some defense here? I think, I I think I the thought pro- I think the thought process behind it
1: is this: you look at some of the guys that they have gotten back in some of the recent deals. Um, you know, you look at Nick Nastrini, who they got back in in the Dodger deal. Um, you know, you look at some prospects, guys like Christian Mena guys that could be up here at some point, Uh, Jonathan Cannon, um, guys that could be up at some point here during the 2024 season. One of the worst ways to kind of deflate the mindset of young pitchers is by having shitty defense behind them. So, wow, what a concept. My thought process is is that Chris Getz is kind of understanding this and having been a former infielder himself is thinking – we know we've got these young guys that that are coming that are hopefully going to be the building blocks of our future um one-off fluke playoff season in 2027 so you know let's get these guys acclimated now and not totally destroy their confidence here so let's get some guys behind them that can actually pick up the baseball and limit teams to 3 outs per inning which according to the rule book
0: is what you are supposed to do well, you sound very positive about this, at least for this show's standards. You, you Are you buying into this strategery here? Um,
1: I don't know that I would go as far as to say I'm full-blown buying into it. I understand the thought process behind it. My personal preference would be, look, if you're going to be...
0: Because you're a big ball-go-far
1: team-go-far guy. That's, yeah. that's where I was going with this. If you're going to be bad, at least be fun bad and hit the ball over that fencing that gets hit prior to the game. That's what I like to see. Um, But again, you got to pick a lane and it appears that this is the lane that they have chosen for this time. Pitching and defense, which look is, is fine. And that's a totally respectable lane. Um, it's a different brand of it
0: white is white socks. It is
1: not what we have typically been accustomed to, or at least not what I've been accustomed to. Um watching this team, you know, since they moved into the, into the new ball yard here at the corner of 35th and shields. Um, typically it it is an
0: interesting strategy because you talk about the ballpark at 35th and shields and that's going to be a topic that we're going to discuss at the later half of the show, Mm -hmm. but the pitching and defense strategy that they've developed here doesn't really lend itself to guaranteed rate. Yes. And no, um,
1: in the year of our lord 2005. That team picked up fucking everything. I mean they they did not make mistakes defensively. Um and they pitched the living
0: shit out of the baseball. So it's I a love fun. when we go back to 2005 examples. We're talking about the White Sox, you know 2005's coming. Right.
1: But the but the fact of the matter is, you know, that is something that is really underappreciated with that team everybody wants to try to make this thing out to be this small ball bullshit thing that just simply isn't based in reality we know that if you go back and if you actually look at the data this team was you know top five to seven in just about every pitching category outside of strikeouts they didn't have a ton of strikeout guys on on that team particularly in the starting rotation there but they pitched the baseball and they caught the baseball even though you had Jermaine die who could barely move in right field my mvp my mvp they still caught the baseball and they did not give the opposition extra outs and what happened as a result of that first team since the nineteen ninety Cincinnati reds to go wire to wire and
0: win the fucking world series baby hey i'm not arguing against the pitching and defense strategy from an overall standpoint i think it's just a little bit different, and I like fireworks, Stephen. I, I love fireworks. I know you like the ball going over the fence. I just don't think Paul DeJong, Nicky Lopez, some of the guys that we've brought in right now are adding to that.
1: Well, DeYoung is a guy that, I mean, can hit 20 home runs, but he's going to do so with about a 280
0: on base. So, Will he have – Here's here's a great question. Will he have more home runs than Yoan Moncada next season? Oh God, we had to go there, didn't we? We did. Um, let's just save
1: that for overs and unders on our season preview show. I don't want to do this in December. Yeah,
0: we got to do it at some point. So I'll I'll write that one down. And we'll revisit it. That might be a poll coming your way uh, from the uh, the Sox on Tap Twitter account at some point uh, in the next few days, so that Steven has to see it and uh, comment on it. Uh, a couple of other topics we've got here. Winter meetings took place this week. The full band went down. Jerry Reinsdorf, Chris Getz, Pedro Graffol, all in attendance. Uh, lots of White Sox happenings. Not a lot of action. Not a lot of action. There was one signing. Let's talk about that signing, Stephen. Let the people know what happened. Um, refresh my memory. This was the uh, the KBO star. Oh, yes, Mr. Eric Fetty.
1: This is another guy, again, kind of cut out of that same cloth of Mike Soroka, former first-round pick, former top-100 prospect, came up with the Washington Nationals and failed and went over to Korea, developed the sweeper, and had a tremendous amount of success pitching in the KBO. Do we know if it's going to translate? No, we don't. Have there been guys in recent vintage that have gone over there recreated something in their pitching arsenal and come back to be effective major league pitchers. Yes. Miles Michaelis is a very recent example. And there have been others in recent years again, with where this team is at in their competitive cycle, this is a perfectly acceptable risk to take, you know, it was two. You're year- speaking
0: way too fucking logically. Right
1: two, I mean, two years for, for, what, what, for 13
0: million, logically optimistic. I don't know what the word is.
1: I I, I just, to me, it's a, Low risk, high upside move. There, there's really no downside to it because again, you know you're gonna be bad in 2024. If maybe he did indeed find something, and if Brian Bannister and Ethan Katz say, "Hey, we like what you did here," and anybody that saw Bannister's tweet, um,
0: you know, a cu- couple of days ago, I'll read the tweet. I've got it up. All right, perfect. That's a perfect segue. I've, yeah, perfect segue. Looks like we've done this before. Yeah, so. Bannister on the X machine the other day throws this tweet out. Um, it was a quote of Shy Sox fan Mike. Interesting to see him interacting in uh, White Sox Twitter. But uh, here's – We'll here's see how long that lasts. Yeah, this was this was a bold strategy uh, by all intents and purposes. Uh, Fetty works out at the same facility as Logan Webb in the offseason. He added the same sweeper plus split change to his arsenal as Webb he did not use those pitches in Washington. Ethan Katz and I were both with Webb when those adjustments were made. His fingerprints are all over this. They
1: they really are. And for those of you that are unaware, Logan Webb finished second in National League Cy Young Award voting this past season. And here's so.
0: here's one that I want to double back though. And if we're we're gonna stay on the on the Twitter topic for just a second, um, I'm gonna find this. This was courtesy of our friend uh, Nick Morowski over at Good Guys Talk Back podcast. Uh, Wonderful guy if, you don't, guy. if you don't follow him, make sure you are at Nick underscore GGTP. And just a great mustache all year round, not just for mustache November. No, he's he's a full season mustache yeah. guy. Great dude. Uh, here's a, a quote that he pulled. I'm not sure where this came from, but it's on his on his Twitter account. Uh, to find the appropriate word at this point is premature, got said Tuesday at the winter meetings. But I will say based on the upper level talent we have on this ball club, I don't think it's going to be a dramatic lift to get us where we need to be. We expect to be better than, than this past year Get said. And I've said it before. We're fortunate to be in the AL central. Everybody has their challenges with the, with their club and they're looking to upgrade their team. And we're doing the same thing. It's important for our players, every part of the organization to find ways and improve. Start with game one, try and win that one and add to the win column. Steven, We know the White Sox are not going to be good in 2024. Chris Getz apparently thinks the White Sox are going to be better than they were last season. They're talking about upgrades to the team. And this is where I have a little bit of a problem with it. We're talking about guys like Eric Fetty coming in, talking about guys like Paul DeYoung, talking about guys like Nicky Lopez. I know Tim Anderson had a bad season last year. I know it was absolutely fucking horrendous. But can you say that we've made an upgrade at shortstop? Can you say that we've made an upgrade in the bullpen over Aaron Bummer? Can you say that uh, our catching is going to be better than last year with without Yasmani Grana? And again, another guy that had a really fucking terrible season um, and, and was super injury. Where's the upgrade here? That's what I'm struggling to find. Where's the upgrade? This to me, and this is right in your wheelhouse, this is a payroll reduction. There's no upgrades taking place. There's risks on development and there's, you know, I, I don't want to call them scrap heap moves. I mean, there there were a couple of suitors for Fetty. It's not, not a scrap heap move yet, but not top of the line guys that are coming in to, you know, take over this AL central that they're so fortunate to be in. So there's a lot to unpack there with that
1: quote. first, um, it's almost as if Chris Getz was saying, you need to come out and hashtag set the tone. A little bit. Yes. I, I, I yeah, mean, day one. So I, we I, heard that before I, last year. I, Pedro, I appreciate that. Patrick
0: Ruffol said the same thing last year. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, you know, I, I'm a big hashtag set the tone guy. So I, I do appreciate that aspect of it here. Um, I'm so fucking tired. Of hearing about this, we're fortunate to play in the AL Central bullshit. You're so fortunate to play in this division that has been around for 30 seasons. You're so fortunate that you've won it four fucking times. I don't want to hear any more of this bullshit about oh, oh well, at least we play in the central. You've won it four fucking times. Spare me. Take that shit and shove it up your ass. Okay. First and foremost, there's that. Um as it relates to upgrades, and, and you mentioned Tim Anderson, you mentioned Yasmani Grandal. I think the one thing that we can say right now is that with the likes of De Young and with Nikki Lopez, the up the middle defense will be better. Will the offensive output be any different? Who knows? Like I said, De Young has not been good offensively since 2019. Um, Nikki Lopez is just a little slapdick guy, but again, the up the middle defense should be an improvement. Is that enough to really move the needle? Is that enough to, you know, take this team from a 61 win team to a 66 win team? In my opinion, no, but that is one
0: area that should theoretically be better. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can count that as an upgrade. I was looking more at the individual parts of the organization versus, you know, some of the, the more collective. Well,
1: you know, even if you look at it from, from a standpoint of if you have a combination of Nikki Lopez and even if DeYoung plays a little bit of second base, that's still better than anything that you got, you know, out of the hodgepodge of
0: shit that played the Keystone a year ago. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not even just looking there. Let's look at the pitching. Lance Lynn is no longer with the Chicago White Sox. He had a very up-and-down season. Lucas Giolito. Where were started, the ups? <laughs> there were a couple ups. There was that one start where he broke the, the strikeout record, okay. or tied the strikeout record. There was some some good Lance Lynn games. Not really sustained success, as Rick Hahn would uh, dub that, but... Uh, Veteran presence, I guess, there uh, has some name pedigree to it. Lucas Giolito no longer here. He had a good start to the season, completely fell apart at the end. Uh, Still a free agent as of right now. Um, Everybody seems to be waiting on Shohei Otani to sign, except for Eric Fetty. But, um, you know, I look at the rotation here. It it seems like there's more projects Mm -hmm. than we had before. So I don't know if I'm buying into the full, we're upgrading the team. Where's your splash?
1: Well, I mean, we gotta be real about this. He has to come out and say that he can't just come out and say, Well, you know, we're gonna be as bad, if not worse, than we were a year ago. He just got the job like three and a half minutes ago. So you're not gonna see him come out there and throw this team under the bus. Although he you know, kind of did. Although well, yeah, no, he 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 did do that, but I don't think he's gonna come out and really kind of do that on an individual player basis, so to speak. So, um Look, we all know they're not making significant upgrades um, in the free agent market. I mean, that's just not going to happen here. It's not really in their playbook.
0: No, it's not, not Not even when they are in their window. Yeah. So I think that's a perfect time to segue this into some other winter meetings topics. Uh, the MLB draft lottery took place, I believe, uh, Tuesday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, the White Sox got... Pretty much like the worst news that you could possibly get on Tuesday. Can't win on the field during the season, and then can't win off the field at the winter meetings either. Sox fall to number five in the MLB draft lottery, and,
1: and- one of the, and what are the teams that that jumped them from a position
0: standpoint. Is fucking Cleveland who ended up getting the number one overall pick, and and so I heard that Cleveland actually didn't win the number one overall pick. I forget which team won it, um, but Cleveland slotted up into that spot because of uh, the other team winning the draft lottery in it in a prior season. So the that way the lottery- that, that would have had to be the Pirates then. Uh, I think it was the Pirates yeah. or the Reds or yeah, somebody. No, no, no,
1: it. no. It would ha- it would have to be the Pirates because the Pirates won the the first draft lottery last year.
0: Yeah, and so this now means that the White Sox cannot pick within the first nine spots next year. Not exactly what you want as a White Sox fan to get the the, the fifth pick out of those top five that precludes you from picking in the top nine next season. There's been a lot of talk about that. Granted, it's it's the luck of the ping-pong balls. Are Here's what I wanted to ask you, Stephen. Are we paying the price for the Chicago Blackhawks winning the NHL draft lottery when it comes to the ping-pong balls falling in our favor? I don't necessarily
1: think it's that. I mean, if you even go back, you look a year ago, um, the Twins, you know, jumped the socks in terms of draft position with the ping-pong balls. Uh, that was before we were graced. With our savior Connor Bedard, um, you know, coming here. Thank you, Gary Bettman. Shout out always. to Feathers Pond. Yeah. And, on Twitter. And and you know, I'll always be grateful for Gary Bettman doing the right thing and ensuring that Connor Bedard is here and not in Orange County, California. Thank you. Um, but that's not why you called. Um we talk about this all the time. As Sox fans, when you think things are just bad enough and you think that things are as worse as they possibly can be there's always lower to sink you can always go lower and that's just kind of where we're at right now so you're in a spot now where in an admittedly
0: softer draft class this year i did get some confirmation on who actually won the draft by the way we'll save it for okay okay
1: um you know a little bit of a softer draft class here so you know that impact talent um higher-up isn't necessarily there the way it was last year or the way next year projects to be, which really screws the Sox. You know, they could theoretically, and I've been talking about this, there's a real chance that they could have the worst season in the history of the franchise in 2024, and they might pick 10th. That just goes to show you that nothing can ever go our way. We are not allowed to be happy.
0: What's that quote from uh, Mr. Bill Vacken?
1: I know Besnick loves it. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the quote is uh, something to the effect of that, um, to be born a White Sox fan should free a man of any other form of penance in the afterlife. <laughs> and that,
0: that right there is the prime example uh, of, of things going wrong. I did a little digging here on the, the X machine while you were uh, talking there, and it was actually your Washington Nationals okay. that won the the draft, but they were ineligible to have a top six pick. Um, it's, it's there on baseball America. So you can dig into that situation at home if you're so inclined, but then, you know, Cleveland goes and takes that spot. Not exactly the team I want having the first overall pick in the MLB draft this season. And I have to think after what we witnessed last year with all the witch magic that happened at guaranteed rate, that there was some sort of witch magic once again at play here uh, to doom the White Sox into the worst possible case scenario. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it's, it's... We can't discredit that theory. We can't. Uh, tinfoil hat time here uh, at Sox on Pat. Uh Steven, some other winter meetings happenings. Jerry Reinsdorf was in attendance. This is making all sorts of headlines across the baseball world. It's, it's trickled into the political world. Jerry Reinsdorf, we all know the reports that came out earlier this year with the stadium release the stadium lease and you know the potential of moving and the threats and all the stuff Jerry had some comments about uh you know I don't know why everybody thinks that we're going to move well then you know he's publicly seen with the mayor of Nashville this week and and this has kind of caused a little bit of a stir in White Sox land. I'm getting texts from my cousin who lives down in Nashville asking me if I'm ready to move down there. And you know I'm a big Nashville guy, Steven. I had a ton hey, of fun. Hey, listen, I, you're, you're talking to a long-time Nashville guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a fun place to go and, and consume some adult beverages. Yeah. They've got a really <laughs> shitty hockey team who I hate, uh, but uh, their their hockey stadium is right there on Broadway on the Strip. It's, it's a good time. Uh was down there this past summer for the NHL draft. Uh, and it was, it was just really fun. However, I don't know if I'm packing my bags and moving to Nashville with Jerry Reinstorf's White Sox or whatever they would be called down there. This is now blown up another, uh, you know, layer to this onion here that we're starting to build when it comes to, are the White Sox going to stay in the city of Chicago? This is a hot topic. Um Steve, I need your thoughts and opinions on it. So
1: as somebody who spent the last couple, two, three days in the on the East Coast involved in some backdoor uh, meetings, you know, things involving offshore bank accounts in the Cayman Islands and the city underbelly of, of society here, I can tell you that um, from being involved in some of those discussions here, Jerry was clearly up to something. He's trying to create some leverage at, at the end of the day is, is what it is. Um, This is the exact same power play that he tried 35 years ago with the city of Tampa. And I wrote about this over the summer as we had the 35th anniversary of the bill passing that um, ensured the funding measure for the new ballpark here at the corner of 35th and Shields. He's doing the same thing that he did back in August of 1988. Um, I have a hard time believing that, Major League Baseball is going to allow the charter franchise of the American League to leave the third largest market in the country to go to Nashville, Tennessee. I know a lot of people are are looking at this and saying that, you know, this is a sign that he's going to do it that this is going to be his final fuck you to White Sox fans. And while we all know he hates us and that he wants to make us miserable, and he's done a tremendous job of that, and we all collectively cannot wait until his reign of terror comes to an end, I just personally struggle knowing all of the nonsense and everything that is swirling around the A's in this move to Vegas. And while that was approved unanimously, going from – Oakland, you know, the Bay area to Vegas. It's just not the same as going from Chicago again, the charter franchise of the American league to Nashville, Tennessee. I just struggle
0: to see it happening. I do as well. However, I've, I've done a little digging into this situation and this isn't, you know, I don't believe they're going to leave, but there's, there's some leverage plays that are being made. Uh, with this. And I'm going to try and tie some things back here just on the air. So Music City Baseball was formed in 2019 with the objective of bringing the wonderful world of Major League Baseball to the city of, of Nashville. And as it's been reported and, and sort of tossed out there as the winter meetings are taking place down in Nashville, uh, this group is led by None other than Dave Stewart. I'm sure you know that name. Um, so I I remember this a while back in like 2019 when they when they formed this board of advisors for Music City Baseball. And there's an interesting name that's on this board of advisors as their baseball advisor, and that name is Tony Larusa. Now. Hashtag inside job. Not a lot of people realize that Tony La Russa sits on this board of advisors. And this is is completely tinfoil hat theory, but it kind of makes a little bit of sense why Jerry Reinsdorf's involved in this particular market, at least to me. So Tony La Russa becomes the manager of the Chicago White Sox. We all know what happened. Then we've gotten some reports over the past couple of months the TLR is hanging out around the team and it starts to freak people out because people don't like Tony La Russa touching the and baseball justifiably or the- whatever that you can get your shots in as you will. I will. <laughs> I don't think Tony La Russa is, is touching the baseball team. This is just my thought. I don't think he's touching the baseball team. I think he's talking to Jerry and advising sort of both sides of this deal here. You can't tell me that if Jerry Reinsdorf is having meetings with the mayor of Nashville, and Tony La Russa works for the Sox in some capacity that no one has publicly come out yet and said what his job is, and then reports get refuted. He's not with the team. He's with the team. He's in a suite. He's not in a suite. He's on the board of Music City Baseball. The objective there is to bring baseball to Nashville. If Jerry wants to have his power play move to keep a stadium in Chicago or threaten to move, what an agent in Tony Larusa to sit on both sides of that fence and help broker whatever's going on. This has been in the works since 2019, and I know that Jerry has made the quote about, you know, we haven't really looked at anything. This is an introductory, uh, you know, meeting in nature. Is what you got from the mayor's office down in Nashville. Th- these two have spoken before that meeting.
1: Yeah, it's it's very clear that Tony Larusa is a terrorist. It's very clear that this is a hashtag inside job. Uh, he is Steven's hashtag shook. He right he is he was absolutely brought back to destroy this organization from the inside. It's crystal clear at this point. The evidence is all right there for you. And for all you people out there that want to defend Sleepy Mick drunk face, there should be no more defense for this fucking asshole. Ever again. He's here to destroy this thing from the inside. He's, he's doing his job. The Hall of Famer's doing his job. He's doing destroying two jobs. destroying this organ. I mean, him and Dave Stewart destroyed the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've already destroyed one franchise. Now they want to destroy another one.
0: I had to throw this out here. I wanted to see what your reaction was going to be, and it, it didn't disappoint. It didn't disappoint at all. To, to, but to my, to my reactions that. ever disappoint? No. I, but I haven't seen this information out there anywhere on the interwebs. Um, people talking about is is TLR involved in this move? He's on the board of directors. If he if he's not, they would they would take his name down. I would think.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's an inside job. Um, he cannot be trusted he is a cancer just like his buddy
0: I'll, I'll I'll start to talk to to you in in just a different nature here you don't want the white sox to leave no okay so you don't want the white sox to leave there's a large segment of individuals out there that also don't want a new stadium paid for on you know taxpayer dime fair correct fair I think that there's a lot of people there's there's a very large crowd. That's a very you know highly debated topic anytime any franchise is negotiating leases and all these agreements. There, there's a there's a very political aspect to this whole thing. We all know, and you wrote a great article about what happened uh, during the whole Florida hostage situation. I'm very curious how you how you answer this question. Are you Okay, with Jerry Reinsdorf making the ultimate power play to keep the White Sox in Chicago, or would you rather see them get to the brink and leave because it didn't because it would have to do something with like taxpayer dollars or where do you sit? Well, I I
1: mean, look, it's, it's very simple. I don't want the White Sox to leave. I don't live in the state of Illinois. I don't live in the city of Chicago. I don't live in the county of Crook. So it's not going to impact me. On a day in and day out basis, it's going to impact all of you. So I say, you know what? Take the taxpayer money. I don't give
0: a fuck. Well, that's your honest opinion. I respect it. Um, it, it really doesn't affect me as much uh, down here in, in the county of Will. However, um, there's a, a large portion of the fan base is, is impacted by this decision. Tough scene. They're going to have they're going to have <laughs> feelings about it, and it's something that we're going to be talking about as this sort of transpires because it's going to be heated. I've seen a lot of people say, just pack up and, and, and leave. Um, and I personally feel that that's the wrong answer. I, I think that that sends sort of the wrong message to not like, you know, Jerry can go do whatever Jerry's going to do, but to the fans that show up to the ballpark, on a, on a night in night out basis, or, or the people that show up on a Friday night because they, they want to be out of the ballpark, um, you know, taking my kids to a Sunday game, all of that stuff. If that just evaporates and vanishes out of the realm of possibilities, I'm not taking my kids to Wrigley field. You're not going to go to Wrigley field to take in Cubs baseball because the white Sox moved to Nashville or whatever. There's serious questions about you know, yeah, are, I, are mean, I you going to follow the Nashville? Team? What those are like starting to seep into your mind now, and you watch what happened over in Oakland. You know, I, I, I propose a reverse reverse boycott throughout the whole season. If if you're mad that Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, gets this stadium for free, let's get two million fucking people there next year to watch the shittiest team in baseball play and make that tax bill come to. You.
1: I think you know, this is something that we've talked about quite a bit. It's just the difference in the, in the two fan bases at this point, while A's fans are just angry, they're angry in perpetuity at John Fisher. Sox fans, unfortunately, because of Jerry Reinser, because of what a fucking cancer he is, have reached the apathy phase. And that to me is even worse than the anger phase. Um, being angry can be a very powerful thing, and I know, obviously, it's not having the impact that A's fans want it to have. Um, you know, John Fisher even being confronted by fans um, recently be- being out to dinner saying, oh, it was, it was a really hard thing for me, but I did the right thing. At the end of the day, he doesn't care. It's the same way that Jerry Reiser does not care about us. The meme that likes to go around of Jerry saying, fuck White Sox fans. I legitimately believe he wakes up every morning and says that. I I legitimately do. That's why, again, the day his reign of terror ends is going to be the second happiest day of my life. However that happens will be the second happiest day of my life. Let it be known. But I just... The idea of of people celebrating and wanting this team to leap, I don't understand it. Um, if that is something that were to happen, then obviously I am just a full time Barb's fan. Uh, you know, there there is no, there's really
0: no courting of me by by other franchises. The decision has already been made. So you've already got your contingency plans. I'm sure others out there have, you know, second favorite teams. I'm sort of a free agent in a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I like the, I like the Cardinals, I like the Cardinals, um, just because of the the rivalry. And I, I know our guy Jonathan's a big Cardinals guy. But I, I kind of like the Red Sox as well. Um, you know, there's there's tons of options out there, but for all intents and purposes, it's not going to be the same love. No, that I feel for this team. I mean. I've got a whole basement here full of White Sox shit. What am I going to do with that? You know, like, it'll hurt every time that I see it. And I know there's people out there that have the same affinity, grew up a White Sox fan, have great, wonderful memories at the corner of 35th and Shields or at uh, Old Comiskey uh, that, you know, have followed this team for whether it's 10 years, 15 years, 50 years, 60 years, um, that will miss – White Sox baseball, I just don't know if I personally can watch a team go to Nashville, change the name, change the franchise, all that stuff, and and be gone. So the, the take your shit and leave attitude, it puts us in a bad spot because there's so much angst and apathy and all the different levels of emotion with what went on display during this last rebuild and where we are now. And I understand the anger because I'm angry, too. I know you're angry. You're hashtag mad online. I'm mad online. I know Johnny's mad online. Our guy socks. Insane is going insane. Not in a far, not a not a far trip. Yeah. I mean, he's insane in the membrane, but, you know, it, it's. When I see this. I go, that's the worst case scenario. Don't you think 100 percent. So like. Let's let's work out a deal and make sure that they stay somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I
1: I'm all for you people in this state getting screwed on on your taxes. We're already
0: paying on a lot anyway.
1: That's 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 fine. Yeah, like like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't matter to you guys. So listen, let's let's get some more to make sure that the one sports team that I truly love, even though I'm in an abusive relationship with them, and you love Purdue too. I i asked that it. my privacy continue to be respected at this time Anthony thank you thank you um yeah but at the end of the day I'm okay with a new stadium being funded at your expense and at the expense of everyone that lives in the city of Chicago the county
0: of crook and the state of Illinois you're not making any fans online so if you want if you want to roast Steve on that on that you can find him on uh, on the X machine at Nwi underscore Steve. Um, he'll be happy to respond to you. Make sure that you uh, also include many CM Punk gifts and oh, uh, fuck Perdue, that bitch. Perdue, you, know, you, had to, you, had, you had to go. You had to go there the, if, if you want to get to get to the the brass taxes, Steve likes. Oh, so to I'm say. A big
1: I'm a big brass tacks. I, like I said, I was getting down to brass tax on the East Coast over the weekend. Here was a big brass tax situation. That's
0: that's fantastic. We've got just a few more minutes here. I don't know if we want to continue to dive into Jerry Reinsdorf stuff. It's starting to, you know, give me a little bit of pain in my chest talking about the. White well, there
1: guy was there was one know. other thing because you had posed an interesting question to me. Um, I think it was either today or or yesterday. I can't I can't recall. I think it was yesterday actually when I was uh, the f- the phone conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah the okay. phone conversation when I made my triumphant return to uh, Midway Airport. Yeah. Um, you had asked the question that: What if Jerry did pick up the team and leave? And somehow, the city of Chicago negotiated with the league to keep the White Sox name in Chicago, a la what happened with the Cleveland Browns when they up and left for Baltimore yes. after the 1995 season and became the Ravens. And then four years later, Cleveland Browns 2.0 came into existence. The Great Reset. Right. That would, be, that would be interesting in the sense that it would rid us of the cancer of one of the worst human beings on the planet, the bane of our existence, and it would almost open up an opportunity for rebirth with a potential serious owner, somebody that understands that in this city, in the third largest market in this country, with, again, the charter franchise of the American League, that if you actually put into it what deserved to be put into it and committed to it, not just a one-off season, but actually committed to it and actually committed to your fans, to the people that actually give a shit about this team, what could potentially happen. That is an interesting idea and, and something that would be an interesting thought exercise. If that were to happen... That would be fascinating. Now, there would obviously probably be anywhere from like a two to four year period where we would just be nomads drifting through the desert, seemingly.
0: Yeah, we don't know what we do with the show. Like, I don't know what we do with our summers. There would be this empty. I mean, I'd be taking a lot of trips down to the ATL. I'd be playing a lot of golf. We're gonna be honest.
1: I'd be playing a lot of golf. You know, I'd go go see my barbs up up in Melewaque. You know, maybe uh, you know that shithole hole that stinks like piss on the north side. Um, I'm not going there. I mean, I mean, listen, if, if the barbs are gonna go
0: there and just bludgeon them, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm all. Well, that's that's fair. I, I just I don't know if I'm following this team and Jerry Reinsdorf down to now Oh no, now. no, I no, I, I I'm abso- I'm absolutely not. At I mean, that point, I'd be I'd be pretty much hashtag
1: done. Yeah.
0: with this shit. Now, on, on the flip side of that, though, you talk about it's not just a, a, a ridding of, of Jerry Reinsdorf, It's a ridding of the whole system. You know, that, that means that Pedro Graffol now manages the Nashville team, and we're starting from scratch. That means that Chris Getz and your farm system is no longer your farm system. This would be a, a complete great reset. The Phoenix is rising from the ashes, and maybe it'll bring back the old video intro to start the game let's and and thunderstruck and and all the cool things that the White Sox did maybe listen to the 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 fan and and do things right now there's one of two ways that happens it's a a new owner of the current franchise that is the Chicago White Sox or it's something like that so on that note that's okay but that's a risk that's like you know remember when people said you know you trade away Jose Abreu and he comes back on like this handshake deal like Those things don't always pan out. I think we have the benefit of living in the the area of the third largest market in the United States. It's successfully had two baseball teams for seemingly forever. Um, it, it, there's, there's reasons why somebody would want to move in to the house that is the Chicago White Sox. There's a lot of things that have to take place in order to make it happen, though. I don't know if I'm – extremely confident, but I have some hope that if that were the case, making our white Sox back someday.
1: Yeah. And I think just from a, from the league standpoint, I would think that they would want to have a second team in this market because there's been two teams in this market for over 120 years. And it'd be like trading Jerry Reinsdorf away. God, God willing. (laughs) So that's, that's a thing. (laughs) It's It's a thought. Yeah, no, it, it certainly isn't, you know, I've talked about this a little while here. We realistically got like three years to get this figured out because the lease expires at the end of the 2029 season. So realistically to be in the, a new ballpark, theoretically for opening day 2030, you have to have shovels in the ground in three and a half years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean it it, and and here's the other portion to this like you can go real tinfoil hat with it and say Jerry's gonna not feel the competitive team for three years to keep people out of his ballpark, make sure that he doesn't pass that two million fans, make sure that he can, you know, emphasize why he needs to move, whether that be I need to move across town, need to move in, I need a new stadium because fans don't want to come here. It's not the diehards. It's not the diehards that he's worried about. It's everybody else, sort of catching on the fire of you know coming out. Remember when Tim Anderson said yeah. it's a place to be on Friday night and drawing well, these well, large again, crowds. Well,
1: again, there's a there's a reason why all of the Midwest transplants from you know Podunk, Burrow, Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin when they graduate from their Big Ten schools and they move to Chicago because it's the only you know real city in the Midwest they adopt that shithead team because they play in a trendy neighborhood where it's fun to go out and get drunk and throw up all over yourself that's that's who jerry ultimately wants to target you know he had the opportunity to do that when they had the chance you know to build the fucking stadium in the south loop like they had proposed and then he said no i i want to go to the addison instead." I'd, I'd rather go to the suburbs and build a stadium out of the vintage of Kauffman in Kansas city, because everything has to come back to that.
0: It's, it's just a recurring theme. Stephen. it's been great to be back on these airwaves talking live with everybody. We're going to be back shortly uh, here. We'll probably get another show or two in December, but we've also got that project. We sort of hinted at, uh, earlier on. We'll call it the project, the project. Yeah. Trust the process. Trust the process. Uh, any final thoughts? We got anything else we need to wrap up with here.
1: Yeah. I've, I've got a final thought that I want to talk to you during the midst of our phone conversation the other day, you made a very bold claim. I did. I I did make a bold claim. A lot of people, anybody who knows me knows my affinity for cool ranch Doritos. They are the best chip on the market. There is no debate about it. Anthony here is claiming that we have a contender. I think we do. I think we do have a contender. Anthony is claiming my mind. that the Sweet and Tangy Barbecue Doritos are the heir apparent to the original, to the innovator, to the Cool Ranch Dorito. I'm not sure I'm buying what he's selling. We're going to find out once we wrap up here. I was able to secure a bag at a local uh, gas station facility. As I was, uh, was there any local gambling? Oh God, there was local gambling going on. You people are some sick fucking degenerates. I I saw,
0: (laughs) I saw a lot of local gambling going on in my, in my gas station today. I was wondering if you stopped at one of them that, uh, you know, had the, the the couple two two
1: trees. Oh, oh, and they were, they were packed. There was, there's, there's always somebody there. I, I, it will never not amaze me how it can be two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday and you people, are sitting there at a fucking slot machine in
0: a gas station off of I three fifty five. Yeah, this is what we do out here. Apparently, um, it was ten thirty in the morning when I was there, and every slot machine was full. So I, I figured you stopped at one of the same local gas stations. Hashtag confirmed. Yeah. So yeah, you know, if you're if you're a gas station gambler, this is this is the area, of the southwest burbs. I'm sure they're up there in, in the north side too, but. um yeah, Steve's a big gas station gambler guy. Yeah, everybody knows I'm Mr. Big Better Guy. It's been well documented. So you're going to try these after the show. You're going to give a review over there at uh, NWI Steve on, on the X machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it pans I'll, out. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a rating here. But again, the bar is set extremely high. I, I, just, I, I don't know how I feel about this blasphemy. Trying to talk about the original, the game changer. Well, you are, you the do theater.
0: enjoy barbecue
1: chips, correct? I—I I, I do. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a big barbecue guy. I'm a barbecue connoisseur. Kind
0: of yes, some would even say. So you might like these. I don't know if I like them as much as Cool Ranch, but I had to throw. Tune them in into a... to Twitter.com to find out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, thank you, everybody who tuned in to the live stream. Make sure you're following us at Socks on Tap on X. You can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve myself at Tony on Tap. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to that at ONTAP Sportsnet. You can hop in the comments. I know we had a couple of them here uh, tonight. Steve, once again, great to be back on the mic. I don't have anything else. We'll close it down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.